Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Good Music Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name's Lucas. I've got my pal Justin here with me. Hello, everybody. And um, just, yeah, I'm really excited you guys are continuing to tune in. I'm checking the analytics all the time of how this podcast is doing. And those that dang Coldplay episode just keeps <laughs> tallying up. It's up in the 400s now. And it's Coldplay. Yeah, I know, but still, like, the Beatles only has like 23. Although our newest Tears for Fears uh, one is up to about that number as well, which is pretty. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So that one's doing a little bit better than the previous ones have. So um, I'm just gonna continue to kind of see. We're gonna have. We're gonna be introducing a bit of some different stylistic. Um music choices for the next few weeks and so I should get a pretty well-rounded idea of what you guys like the most and what you don't even though if you don't like it I'm still gonna make it anyway because <laughs> this is my podcast and I do what I want um but yeah every again thank you everyone for listening everyone all around the world just a whole lot of different countries tuning in continually i don't know how you guys are finding it but thank you and just hit the subscribe button whatever platform you're listening on so that way you get dinged whenever a new episode pops up um i finally now have a schedule a release schedule that i'm going to be sticking to we're going to be releasing a new episode every monday at 9 a.m central so that should give you a clue on what area of the world we're in it's not really a mystery. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I just wanted to be theatrical. How are you doing, Justin? Doing great, Lucas. I'm very excited. Got to listen to some new music that I had never really listened to very much. Yeah. One that I enjoyed a little bit more than the other. Yeah, I, I think I have a good guess. <laughs> but, I'm sure you do. By the way, we're not. Uh, we are actually doing a double recording session today, so uh, we're going to be talking about the first band in this episode and then we're immediately going to talk about the next week's episode after that so uh stay tuned for that um yeah so the the band that we have this week is one of the all-time greats one of the biggest rock and roll bands and in my opinion when you're talking about rock and roll in its purest form i think that this band is the greatest that there ever was and that's ACDC. Interesting fact about ACDC that I did not know mm-hmm. is that they are not from America. No. Which is kind of crazy. Yeah. They're not even from Europe. Nope. They're from Australia. Definitely the biggest band to come out of the land down under. So um, you've, they've got a little bit of competition with the Bee Gees, but I mean, that's pretty much it. You just, they uh, definitely conquered the entire world with their music and they became the voice of the 70s yeah and and the early 80s and the early really. 80s yeah. yeah 1980 is when they had their their biggest moment for sure so um what's the biggest thing people need to know about acdc biggest thing that they need to know is the importance of the youngs so ACDC at its core, until very recently, was always two brothers. 
Okay. And that is uh, Malcolm and Angus Young, and they're both the guitar players. Malcolm was the older brother. He played rhythm guitar. And Angus was the younger brother who played lead. And they were the ones that started the band uh, in Australia. And pretty much they are the reason why um, ACDC was able to do everything that they did. Now, obviously, they had very important contributors over time that had they not had them, they wouldn't have gotten up to where they were. But it's like every band usually has one or two people that if they leave you should never continue the band because it's their band. Right. It's very, very rare when you can pull that off. Um, but the Young Brothers are absolutely the heart and soul of ACDC. Um, and so just knowing that kind of ACDC springs from them is I think probably the most important thing to know as far as who ACDC is and what they were able to achieve. And so they obviously, ACDC has had a pretty large rotation of different musicians that have come in. Some have stayed a lot longer than others, and they definitely do have what was called a classic lineup that stayed around for quite a while um, and reconvened quite often. Although there would just, there would be times, you know, a drummer would leave for three or four years here, bassist would leave for three or four years here. Obviously they've had two very popular lead singers. Mm -hmm. And so, but the heart has always been the two brothers until two years ago when Malcolm passed away. He had a severe dementia, had all kinds of health problems. And so now it's just Angus left. And so it's pretty much at this point now, it's whenever Angus decides he doesn't want to do it anymore or he can't do it anymore, that's going to be the end of ACDC. There's no replacing. And so have you ever seen any photos or videos of ACDC in action? I haven't. So Angus is really one of the greatest characters in rock and roll. He has a his iconic schoolboy outfit. I don't know oh, if you've okay. ever seen that. Yep. So I've he that. watching him play live is one of the most fun things you'll ever watch. Because he never stops moving. He's always ripping his head around. He's always making the greatest faces. He's always moving or running or doing the duck walk and or spinning around in circles on the ground, just, you know, going crazy. So he's just, he almost looks like he's possessed, but like not in a you're scared of him way. Sure. Like you just, you definitely, it's almost like the spirit of rock and roll has just taken him. <laughs> the spirit of rock and roll. Yeah, the bandmates have joked in an interview that, you know, they talk about all of the beautiful women that are in their audience, and Angus says, I never see them. They're just like, yeah, because you're never looking in one place for more than <laughs> half a second. Well, speaking of all these things, what when people listen to ACDC, what are things that really stand out? So they've got a sound and a style that is so distinct and so them and so ir um, you can't replicate it. And it's f interesting that they have that because what they do is so simple. They are very stripped down, bare bones rock and roll band. And every single album you listen to theirs, you know exactly what kind of music you're going to get. They don't experiment, although they will subtly change their sound to adapt to the times. They never make any hard turns. 
they never abandon their roots. And Angus has said this multiple times that just that's all he wants to do is just make pure rock and roll music. He wants music that you can tap your foot to. He wants something that, you know, isn't experimental. That just is, it's rock and roll in its purest possible form. And so you don't have extended instrumental sections, really. You don't have any um, crazy time signatures or tunings or kind of the stuff that people would start to do after they've been in their career for a while when they're trying to shake things up. Yeah. Just they they always keep that four on the floor on the drums. They always have a great guitar riff every song that they do. Always. I think that they're the greatest riff writers of all time. I was going to say the biggest thing is that listening through all the songs this week that I picked up, uh, age of the guitar. I mean, mm-hmm. both rhythm and lead. Of course, I mean, the lead stuff is just crazy there's always a crazy solo either in the middle in the end or both Mm -hmm. i mean they just they really brought about the age of the electric guitar they did they came at a really the perfect time in the mid 70s so the early 70s was really filled with a lot of glam rock uh you know that was when david bowie was at his Mm -hmm. biggest and you know sweet and slade and t-rex and all that stuff a lot of very airy pop music Although you did have some harder rock and roll going on. You had Led Zeppelin going on at that time, Black Sabbath, early Aerosmith was coming around at that time. But they they hadn't really had the bit, except for Led Zeppelin, obviously. But even then, they were kind of off on their own thing. There wasn't a lot of people replicating, at least to the mainstream effect that Led Zeppelin was doing. Um, the most of what was popular at the time was, at the time was a lot softer. And... They kind of almost ushered in the end of that period. Yeah. So they they started off in Australia, released two albums or three albums down there that are not anywhere near the track listing that the American audience has got. They're almost like com- they're different albums. All the songs are the same, but like some are on different albums and they're not in the yeah. same order. It's kind of confusing to keep up with. But that's where the Australian rock scene was going. And ACDC just kind of happened to be the best of the bunch there. And they worked the hardest. They toured relentlessly. And when they went to the UK, because they had, they had pretty much conquered Australia by 76. And were just like, okay, now we need to take it to the next level. We need to go to England and conquer Europe. And then once we've got Europe, then we can go to America. Because America is the hardest place to try and make it if you're not yeah. already born in the, in the States. You've got to kind of conquer everywhere else first. Because touring America is, especially in the 60s and 70s, was about the hardest thing you could do. Because there were so many places you could go. And so when they got to England, that was when punk rock was starting to Mm -hmm. explode. And so punk rock also had the belief of taking rock back to its primal roots. Kind of distilling it down to the basic bare bones, which is what ACDC was pretty much doing already, except yeah. for that they played their instruments really well, where a lot of punk rock intentionally played their instruments badly. Yeah, it's pretty sloppy sometimes. Yeah, and so that kind of made them stand out because they fit in going into England, because a lot of people thought that they were another punk rock group. Yeah. 
but they had that extra little something of spe- specifically Angus and then their first lead singer, Bon Scott. Yeah. Bon Scott um, played with them all the way until 1979. So the... Uh, their first, so you've you've got high voltage, you've got TNT, mm-hmm. you've got Dirty Deeds, you've got Power Age, and then you've got Highway to Hell. Those were the five Bon Scott albums, at least the ones that were released in Australia. And then um, Power Age and Highway to Hell were the same internationally throughout. Let There Be Rock was kind of the was a compilation of a bunch of those different albums. Although I think it's almost like a best of album from the Bon Scott days. Um, and then he passed away in early 1980. Uh, on the death certificate, it just says death by misadventure, <laughs> which who knows what that means. Exactly. The, the, I think the official explanation is that he passed out drunk and then he vomited while he was unconscious and choked on his vomit. Excellent. Which, have you ever seen the movie Spinal Tap? Oh, yeah, of course. He, he choked on vomit. <laughs> but but who, they couldn't tell whose vomit it was. I have to be honest, I am actually not a fan of Scott's voice. Uh, I like it, but I love Brian Johnson's voice. I, I just think Brian Johnson, feels, like, his voice just sounds better. It fits them better. It's not as, like, thin and scratchy. Mm-hmm. It's just got... And, and I think, and I think what helps too with him is like it really, maybe there's some hindsight bias here, but like thinking about the '70s and like hard rock, like he really fit the that mold, mm-hmm. like really helped define like okay, this is what a a rock singer is supposed to sound like. Yeah. So when Bon Scott died, they were already recording Back in Black. Mm-hmm. They already had done a bunch of demos, and so a lot of those songs were actually written with the intention of. Scott singing them. Not all of them, because some of the songs were written afterward. And you can kind of tell which ones were. But they found Brian Johnson two weeks later. Incredible. And they, they said it was intentional for them to not pick a Bon Scott copy. Yeah. Because everyone loved Bon Scott in the 70s. They kind of saw him more as the face of the band than Angus was. Even though Angus had this incredible... Um, visual element to him with the schoolboy outfit and his crazy onstage persona. Um, the rest of the ACDC members weren't like big rock and roll lifestyle people. Like they didn't go out and party all the time. They didn't do heavy drugs, but Bon Scott did. And so he was kind of the, the, sure. the, the one that had the reputation. Yeah. The one that was kind of like everyone had the illusion of ACDC is a hard-living band, <laughs> when in reality, Bon Scott yeah, was the hard-living guy. Yeah. And so he kind of was the image of the band at that time. And so when they got Brian Johnson, who didn't live that style that did, that's kind of when Angus stepped a little more to the front as far as just he, he is the face of the band. Yeah. And that's when, you know, they you just you see him on every album cover rather than um, the whole band. It's kind of, he became the mascot from that point gotcha. forward. But, um, yeah, so Back in Black came out in 1980. It was, you know, they had considered giving up at that point. They didn't know if they should even continue without Bon Scott, but they got approval, the blessing from his family. And then they went and made the number two best-selling album of all time. 
Which is incredible. Yeah. I mean, just two weeks later, found the guy, recorded the rest of the album, and it's one of the best-selling albums of all time. Yeah. And the last... it's um, I said it last time about songs that are written at the last moment. The ones that are the last end up being the biggest hits. Back in Black was the last song written for that album. Because that song is their tribute to Bon Scott. Yeah. It's their, uh, it's their send-off for him. And so... Yeah, that album just exploded. It just it came at the right time. They also upgraded their production. They had got a new producer of the album before on Highway to Hell with Mutt Lang. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's one of the all-time greatest producers. You'll you'll hear more about him the more artists we do. But he what he did for them on Back in Black just making them sound so good. Yeah. Like We'll we'll get into it a little more once we talk about the songs. We've got a song from that record on there. It's just the the, the mixing on Back in Black is partially also what helped the album get so big. They wouldn't have, I don't think, gotten to that point had they had their 70s production sound. Yeah. And they knew it. They knew that they needed to get that producer to take them to the next level. And so, yeah, with that, they had... Finally, America, which means they had pretty much the whole world. Of course. And kind of the the sad thing is that right after the huge success of Back in Black, they hit their creative slump. So they had For Those About to Rock come out right after that. Yeah. Which was a modest uh, sequel, but did not do near the numbers. And when you look at the whole album, the songs are not that strong. Title track, amazing. Yeah. Um. But it's a fairly weak album the rest of the way through. And then they released several more 80s albums that just kind of got less and less commercial success. Just kind of, you know... At that point, they were starting to be too old in a lot of listeners' eyes. They're just like, they've been around since the 70s. They're dinosaurs now. (laughs) We're into what's new because, you know, they couldn't really change their sound to fit 80s pop and... And they weren't going to go the hair metal route. They yeah. were because that was too much about image and not enough about the music. And so they were kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. That's when they really made the decision that, you know what, we're not going to follow trends. We're just going to keep doing what we do. And that's when they started getting the criticism of, hey, wait a second, all of your albums sound exactly the same. Why won't you do anything yeah, different? And they're I've just, seen that. Yeah. And they're just like, well, because it won't work, because it's not us. Right. And or ACDC. Nowadays, that's like among the most respected qualities about ACDC is that they never changed and everyone loves them for it. But during the 80s, that was like one of their biggest criticisms. Yeah. They're just like, we're just hearing the same old thing every time. Now everyone's just like, oh, thank God that you guys didn't sell out. You stayed true to who you were. Now everyone claims that as a virtue. So it's kind of interesting how they stuck with their guns and were they got paid off for it in the long run. So one thing I wanted to ask you about is, uh, obviously we know about how big they were, how well they've done, and mm-hmm. then how much they refuse to change. What else do you think is like a part of their legacy? Because I've I've read in a couple places that they really kind of helped, um, really kind of helped influence modern hard rock and oh. metal that is today. They were, I mean, to say that they were the first hard rock group is not true. But they were kind of the ones that, like, established what a hard rock group was going to sound like. Yeah. Um, 
they definitely paved the way for hair metal coming in the 80s. For sure. And a lot of just riff-based music. Mm -hmm. Really, before that, Sabbath was the only really riff-based band. And they came out, they were just, you know, about five years earlier than ACDC was. Even Led Zeppelin wasn't, they had great riffs, but they weren't as much riff-based. They did a lot of experimental stuff. And ACDC was kind of one of the first bands that wasn't entirely based in the blues. Because blues was always riff-based. You had a lot of great riffs in blues music. but And they did... ACDC does have a lot of blues elements to them. But as far as just creating these precise, tight, grooving riffs. And that be the basis of every song that they do. Yeah. That was hugely influential. I think even for me, I listening through the songs that we went through this week, and even just kind of going through some of their stuff, mm-hmm. um, it, especially it's so funny. Like especially even for me as a guitarist, like I I didn't even realize, but man, like I base a lot of my tone and a lot of stuff that I like based off of like especially their rhythm stuff. I think their rhythm stuff is awesome, and, and even oh, just. Yeah. Their guitars are always in sync, and obviously knowing that mm-hmm. the, their brothers makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But even just like, I mean, they really kind of brought to prominence that power chord roar. Uh-huh, yeah. Malcolm Young, I would say without a doubt, is the greatest rhythm guitar player of all time. He, it's so amazing how unselfish he was. Yeah. He never played more than he should. And there's times where he's literally this, in a song just playing the same thing yeah. over and over. But he knew that that's what the song needed. Yeah. And it's just, it's amazing. It's probably, it's one of the hardest things for a rhythm guitar player to do is yeah. to resist the urge to go outside. Yeah. Because, you know, you, that's what the lead guitar player is for. He was so concerned about locking things in with the drums. Again, another very unselfish player with yep. uh, Phil Rudd. Um, just simple beats, very little fills. Usually everything is a really simple kick pattern. Um, and just that was, they brought such a sense of groove to rock yeah. and roll in a way that few other bands ever did. And it's so funny just thinking musically. I mean, you know, usually a lot of people think, okay, your bass and your drums are kind of the bedrock of most things. And then now you throw in this rhythm guitar mm-hmm. as being a big part of that bed that everything else sits on and it's just like oh man it really kind of changed the game for mm-hmm. a lot of people yeah and then you have another layer of influence with brian johnson's vocals yeah one of the not the first but one of the first definitely the first to be really successful uh with having a really harsh grating yeah gravelly voice absolutely a huge influence on heavy metal in the 80s of course because all heavy metal up to then was sung by really high-pitched operatic-style vocals. Um, that's what Judas Priest was doing, Black Sabbath, Iron Maiden. Um, and then when Brian Johnson came around, it was kind of like, oh, you can do this mm-hmm. like really still melodic, but it's got a lot of grit and a lot of just dirt in it. Yeah. And, you know... That's where you get Metallica and, you know, all those bands that also had that that sound to their voice. So, and then they're just one of the greatest live bands of all time. And that's even when they had their 80s slump, 
the albums people dismissed, but they went and saw them live. Yeah. Because they were going to hear all those great songs live, and they knew they were going to get a great visual show. ACDC was always really good at using tons of huge props and stage designs, like, you know, during Hell's Bells, an actual giant bell comes down, and (laughs) Brian Johnson gets up and, like, is, you know, 20 feet in the air just, like, ringing the bell. And, um, you know, just... They they knew how to make an incredible live show. And so I think that that's another one of the things that made them stand out. But ACDC, for me, was a band that I always knew. Uh, I mean, you know, it's they're, especially songs like Back in Black yeah. and all that. You can't escape them. They're so embedded in popular culture. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I always l- appreciated them. And it really wasn't until about a year ago that I kind of became obsessed with them. (laughs) And it was mainly when I came across one of their live albums and listened to it and heard them doing those songs live and hearing the power. And some of the songs had these like extended jam sections where Angus would solo for like five minutes and it was never boring. And that's kind of when I just realized, oh my gosh, these guys were amazing. I think one of the things that I really appreciate about ACDC is just how in sync as a band they are. And some of it has to do because they kept things so simple. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, just coming from the place that where we come from, I'm used to having an MD. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you think about like a classic 70s rock band like ACDC, 80s, and they... There's no such thing. I mean, they just played together and just yeah. rocked it. Yeah. And then they would kind of look at each other and be like, okay, mm-hmm. that's good. <laughs> yeah. You play together enough times, you just, you get on another, you get on the same yeah. brainwave. Well, uh, we're going to take a small break here. When we come back, we'll uh, talk about the songs that we picked for this week. I I tried to be a little bit not... Uh, Picking the obvious songs, although there are some very big say, hits on there. There were a couple songs on there. I was like, I'm surprised this is not on there after going through some of the albums. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. They'll come back. This is not the only time we're going to be talking about ACDC. That is for sure. But, you know, I like to leave leave myself with some great songs to use. And so, all right, yeah, when we come back, we'll uh, we'll look and see what songs we're picking. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back. We uh, are talking about ACDC this week. And uh, in the first section, we were just talking about band history, our um, opinions about them, their legacy, what made them important. And now it's time to get into the songs. So if this is the first episode you've ever listened to, what we do is we, when we pick an artist for an episode, I then pick six songs to uh, represent that artist for you to listen to. So... Something that's very important. 
um, please listen to the songs whenever we talk about them. Hopefully, if you're listening to the podcast first, us talking about these songs would hopefully um, get you really curious to go hear these songs for yourself. Um, And the way that I pick these songs is I pick six songs that flow well together. I don't pick just the six most popular songs. You're definitely going to know that I didn't pick the six most popular songs when you hear my list of six for ACDC. I don't pick my six favorite songs or what I think are the six objectively best songs that they made. I just pick a group of six that when you listen to them all in a row, that you would feel something, a cathartic experience. So... You would be missing out a lot if you did not also listen to the songs that we're talking about. Even if you know the songs, even if you've heard them hundreds of times, um, listen listen to the songs. I promise you it'll make this whole experience so much more fun and so much more enriching. And um, the way that you can very easily find these songs is if uh, you look for me on Spotify and just in the search bar, if you search for Lucas Chrisman, L-U-C-A-S-C-H-R-I-S-M-A-N, give me a follow and then find my playlist called Good Music Podcast Edition. That has all the songs that we're talking about every week. And it's a really easy place for you to just find them and you don't have to really do much searching. If you don't have Spotify, that's okay. Um, you can listen to the songs, obviously, on whatever um, whatever streaming surface that you use. But the Spotify is just the easiest place where I can make those songs readily available to you guys. So please, don't just listen to the episode. Go listen to the songs. Create your own opinion. And with that, we're going to go ahead and jump into the first song for ACDC. Thunderstruck. In my opinion, there's no other song, better song that you could pick to start off. Most iconic intro guitar line, I think, that I I personally know at least. It's definitely the biggest of the last 20, or I guess it'd be 30 years now. Goodness gracious. So Thunderstruck came at the, at a critical time. So remember I was talking about their slump in the 80s. Right. So... 1990 was the year that they released the album The Razor's Edge. And this is kind of when they were in need of a comeback. And they knew it. And they knew they needed to change their style a little bit. They were kind of in a better place now because hair metal and 80s pop was on its way out. And you had grunge coming in, which ACDC could adapt to a little easier. Yeah, And so... um, the whole album, Razor's Edge, is great. It's one of their best albums. And Thunderstruck, obviously, was the first song on that album. And just that song took them right back up to the top. And kind of, like, ensured that they would stay there from that point on. Because once they got back to the top again, they never really lost it. Because at that point, everyone that was criticizing them all of a sudden wasn't criticizing them anymore. Yeah. Or there were more people in favor for them on, you know, staying true to their style and all that. Um, And then, yeah, just Thunderstruck is really kind of the song that ensured that ACDC would be at the top of the rock pack until the day they decided to call it quits. And they really kind of brought about, well, maybe back again, just this anthemic Mm -hmm. sound. 
I mean, this song, I mean, you can go to any sporting event in the world and you're probably going to hear this song. Yeah. But it fits, like, it fits so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's what opens so many of their concerts and for good reason. I mean, you you start a concert off with that, that opening guitar line. Yeah. That's, like, the most surefire way to get everyone jumping and rocking out. And, yeah, it's an anthem. They hadn't really wrote an anthem since um, For Those About to Rock. Yeah. And they haven't written as great of an anthem since. In fact, I would say as far as pure anthems, this is probably the best one they ever wrote. I would agree with that. It's just, it's so strong and so powerful. And it's amazing that it took them this long to come up with the theme for Thunder when <laughs> their name is ACDC and it deals with electricity. Yeah. And I even read a thing where they it kind of popped into Malcolm's head, just like, we're, we're Thunder and Lightning. Like, Thunderstruck, this is perfect for us. So, I think one of the things that I've picked up on this is that there's a lot of elements of metal music in yeah. this. It's definitely one of the most technical songs they ever wrote yeah. i mean it's definitely like even though the song itself is simple simple drum beat um simple structure but definitely a much more heavy metal guitar line mm-hmm. from angus that he's playing it's not just your typical um rock and roll riff it's kind of up on another level but it showed they're a little bit more of a maturity and their willingness to be like okay we can we can elevate ourselves a little bit from mm-hmm. what we've done before. Yeah, but it still sounds exactly like ACDC. Yeah. You've got that chant, thunder. <laughs> I mean, just, you you can't help but just pump your fist and sing along to that. And, yeah, it's just, it's a bona fide anthem. They've, they had a new drummer on that album. When out, a drummer that I feel like has really been criminally underrated throughout their career, and that's Chris Slade. I actually like him a little more than Phil Rudd, but he just played on that album, played on the tour. Phil Rudd came back in the mid-'90s, and then Chris Slade actually got to play with them again on this most recent tour because Phil Rudd got into some legal (laughs) trouble. But Chris Slade does a great job on this song and on the whole album. So this takes us to our second song, Shoot to Thrill. Shoot to Thrill. I really like this song. Honestly, out of all the songs on this list, except for the bonus, this is probably my favorite. I think this is my favorite ACDC song. It's my favorite ACDC song, too! Look at that. Look at that. Uh, It was like, there's so many great songs you can pick from Back in Black. And Shoot to Thrill was a hit. Yeah. But it's so overshadowed by the bigger hits on that album. Of course, yeah. But honestly, I think it's just the best song on that album. I think it's the most, like, classic rock-feeling kind of song. Like, when I think of... Like, I think of any kind of movie that, like, has, you know, going back to the 70s or 80s. Like, that's... Shoot to Thrill is a song that I think of Mm -hmm. that would be playing behind the scene. Mm -hmm. You can tell that this is a song that they wrote when they still had Bon Scott, because... You could see Bon Scott singing on this, yeah. But man, Brian Johnson kills yeah, he does it such on a this song. And his voice—I really feel like his—it's so well suited for him. And he just the way he sings it, I think, is fantastic. Mm-hmm. The drums are so good on that yeah. song too. It's kind of the one time when he, Phil Rudd kind of just pulls out a lot of the fills he doesn't normally get to play. 
and the song's great, and it's kind like it would it doesn't really rise up to that level for me as being like among their all time best until it gets to that breakdown at the end yeah. when it kind of like you don't expect it like you normally would expect them to maybe do an outro solo right there yeah. and just end and it would be a great song great riffs great vocal lines uh, but when it goes to that breakdown it kind of goes in that mood that's when you're kind of like oh yes yes i think that's the best part of the song by far oh yeah and i think that is why it's one of their best songs because it's them but they changed it up Mm -hmm. a little bit than they normally would and that was that extra 10 percent. i was like okay this is what makes the song so great yeah i just i think that this song um does not get near as much attention as it should I feel like it gets forgotten, especially when you're on an album with... On any other album, would have been the biggest hit. Yeah. When you've also got Hell's Bells, and You Shook Me All Night Long, and Back in Black, Back in and Black. even, you know, Rock and Roll Ain't Noise Pollution, it's just kind of like... People, I feel, forget that this song is on the album. But if I were going to listen to one song off Back in Black, that's the one I'm going to put on every time. There's just... when When that... Riff comes in the bam, da, da, bam, da, bam, da, bam. I just like I'd get filled with adrenaline instantly, and I'm just like, yes. I really love the rhythm part in there. Like it's just so melodic, mm-hmm. and it just again, it's simple, but it just it helps push the song forward. It moves the song forward, mm-hmm. um, and it just it's just again, it's just such a nice bed for everything else to kind of get on top and yeah, and let the lead guitar kind of do its thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's one that if you're listening now and you have not heard the song, go listen to it. Again, that's why we stress, listen to the songs. This is a song that just needs to be on people's minds more. And I'm okay with leaving off the bigger hits off of Back in Black to make space for this song. Because it just, it it needs to be heard more. Agreed. So this takes us to our third song. Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. Mm-hmm. So this is our first song from the Bon Scott era. So the way I structured this is I wanted to have equal representation from both Brian Johnson and Bon Scott. Because they were both equally important for getting ACDC to where they were. And so I wanted to have three from each. So this is definitely one of the most well-known Bon Scott anthems. Yeah. Um, this is, this is kind of a song that has become more popular with age. It wasn't like one of their big hits starting off, but it's, it just, it gained such a great reputation in their live set. And it's just kind of the more time has gone on, the more that this song has become popular to become one of their most well-known songs. And... It's such a it's such a sleazy, dirty yeah. song. Even the chorus, mm-hmm. how it's sung, is just like, what is happening? Yeah. And uh, a little fun fact: whenever he says that line, uh, just ring uh, eight six three four eight six or whatever the numbers are, like that. You know how in TVs and movie, whenever there's a phone number, there has to be the five five five. Yeah. So that wasn't a thing back then. And it was partly because of this song and then another really famous song, uh, 8675309, that you had to use 555 in anything that is being shown to media because there was someone with that phone number 
and people kept calling him asking it was like some sweet old lady and they were asking her if she did d- dirty deeds for dungeon <laughs> and and so they had to put a rule in just saying you can't use a random number of letters you got to have a 555 in there because the that phone number doesn't exist that's funny so that was just a little uh uh, fun little tidbit for that song. I will say, I mean, as much as I, I'm not a huge fan of Scott's voice, but I do think this is his best song for me. Yeah, I think it just this was written specifically for him. And well, he, it was written did. by him. Well, that's true, and I think he does a really good job with it. Yeah, it's he was a really great lyricist. He was, even though they sung about a lot of the same things, the yeah. way that he worded things was always so clever and yeah. like kind of always kept your interest. And he was really, he was really funny, but with, in like, like a dark humor. Yeah. Like you kind of, you laugh and you're just like, uh-huh, should I laugh? <laughs> like no one else in the seventies was singing about a hitman that liked what he did and was encouraging you to, uh, ask him to do what you wanted done. Like that was, ACDC was pushing the envelope at that time. You know, even heavy metal wasn't quite at that level yet. Yeah. But it's, I, I think, too, especially in this song, it, again, similar to Thunderstruck, it really kind of, you start to see, especially if you kind of start going back, you start to see some of the influence that a lot of hard rock and metal mm-hmm. has taken on and has become, like, common for them. Yeah. Also, one of the earliest tapping solos. Yeah. This was pre-Eddie Van Halen that this came out. It wasn't incredibly well done you can tell he's kind of struggling to hit the notes at the end but you know that was still a fairly new concept at that point that wasn't really being used that often now speaking of solos this next song whole lot of rosie oh yeah i think this is my favorite guitar solo from acdc yeah oh yeah whole lot of rosie so that's off the the let there be rock album and this is a song that is amazing but when you hear it live you kind of get the full effect of how great it is there's just so much speed in this song especially in the instrumentals and the solos that Mm -hmm. i can't imagine what it must have been like just watching that live oh they they amp up the tempo even more from there yeah and uh kind of the the tradition is when you go to a show and they do that the crowd chants angus angus yeah what a great riff. That's my riff. favorite. I think just the just how in sync like the band is with Angus is just incredible. Just yeah. him going off and they're just again supporting him mm-hmm. and like making that bed so that he can just like freaking kill it. Yeah. And it's such a great you're right, it is such a great riff. It's a really uncommon riff for them. It's not kind of the Put the four on the floor and just yeah. da 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 bum ba da 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 bum bum. It's it's this like ba ba one. It's almost kind of like a like a like a speed metal riff. Yeah, it is. And you know, it's kind of like they were playing that at, right before like Motorhead and all them were coming onto the scene. And it's just like you know, that was almost a riff indicating what was going to come in the future. So um, yeah, and the lyrics are just hilarious. <laughs> On that song. She ain't exactly pretty. She ain't exactly small. <laughs> Apparently it was, it was based off a real person that Bond encountered uh, while in Australia. 
and or no, it was in, it was when they were in England, and like he was he kept trying to get away from her, and she like detained him all night, <laughs> and like because she was so big, he like couldn't get away from her. And so he came to them the next morning. I was just like, I got a really great idea for a song. <laughs> <laughs> and whenever they play the song live, a giant inflatable, um, scantily clad uh, woman pops up in the back. That's amazing. And just again, just showing that their amazing ability for live visuals. It's one of their best songs live. And it's kind of like even more so than like Back in Black and... All those songs, Whole Lot of Rosie is one of those songs that has to be played at every ACDC show. Yeah, it's just such a, a crowd hyper. Mm-hmm. So that takes us to our next song, Let There Be Rock. Let There Be Rock. I love this song. For a long time, this was my favorite ACDC song. I could see that. Um, because it is kind of the the most experimental they ever got. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a really different sounding song for them. I just love the epicness of it. You just you kind of get this feeling that the song's constantly yeah. building towards something. Again, I I had said in the previous episode with Woman in Chains that my favorite song structure is the crescendo. This song, even though it has brief moments where it goes down, even when it goes down, you still feel like you're getting bigger. Like yeah, because f- that drum and bass really driving into especially that bass line back there like Mm -hmm. super simple but still like it's helping to keep that momentum moving forward yeah i think the one thing that i really liked about it is that it took me a a while to realize that the title of the song was really what they were doing like Mm -hmm. it's just in total reference like yeah we're gonna we're just gonna rock out here and there's gonna be very little vocals and it's just gonna be us freaking nailing it Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah yeah in my opinion, this was the pinnacle of the Bon Scott era, just as far as just great vocal. And then the guitar solos. When he gets that last guitar solo and he just starts shredding on it and just playing really fast, it's just like, you just feel like this, it's, it's, it's just going up to the stratosphere. Speaking of experimental, I, I think one thing that kind of threw me off that I actually liked was a lot of the unexpected breaks before going back into the intro lines, mm-hmm. which was really nice. I mean, yeah, it was just like, oh, because they start, I mean, they start off like how you would think an ACDC song would start off, and mm-hmm. then you have that break, and just like, oh, and then it comes back in again. Yeah. You're just like, yes, I love this. Mm-hmm. And it really kind of drives that intro line into your head, and you're yeah. just like, okay. Yeah. When he, when Bon Scott squeals at that, let there be rock at the end. Yeah, it's just this song is just epic. One interesting thing that I I found about the song is that the the lead line and the solo has kind of a bit of a country feel to it. Well, it's what it is. It's traditional blues. Yeah, which is what a lot of country is based on. Um, on the blues progression, so mm-hmm. that's like. Pretty much what they were doing is they were paying homage to the 50s yeah. rock and roll scene. Because it used to be that every single rock song followed the 12-bar blues progression. And so, um, and considering that the lyrics deal with the fact that this song is telling you the history and the the beginning of rock. Talking about, you know, um, combining 
the schmaltz and the blues together. Yeah. And, um, you know, let there be light, sound, drums, and guitar. <laughs> and just kind of, you know, when it came to pass, that rock and roll was born. And so they're just, they're talking about, you know, that first stage and then saying that, okay, now we're going to take it to the next yeah. level. And of course it has this, their classic ACDC, you know, crazy guitar solo and mm-hmm. ending. Probably the craziest guitar solo they ever did. Yeah, I would agree. And just, yeah, a six and a half minute song, which is, I think, I want to say this is the longest studio song they ever did. And 90% music yeah uh-huh <laughs> very little vocals yeah just a lot of angus just kind of showing off but in a really good way yeah and so what i wanted to do so kind of the way i was progressing this is start off strong with thunderstruck move keep the momentum moving with shoot to thrill slow it down a little bit for dirty deeds sorry there um Start to ramp it up again with Whole Lotta Rosie and set you up for the whirlwind that is Let There Be Rock. And kind of make you think almost that that's the end right there if you're not counting. Yeah. And then come in with the 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 true grand finale, <laughs> which is For Those About to Rock, We Salute You. Which, even just the name, is hilarious to me. Mm-hmm. This song is what they close every ACDC show with. It was the it was the absolute best ending song that you could pick. And like I was saying earlier, the album that it was on, not very strong. And I think it's really interesting that on the album, this is the song that opens the album. Which it's just it feels like that should be the ending because that's what they always used it for. Mm. Um but when they play the song live, they actually have cannons up on the stage. I was going to say, that I've never heard the song before, and so that threw me off mm-hmm. the first time I heard it. And I was like, oh, actually, this is really cool. And of course, they yeah. they carry it all the way through. Mm-hmm. The 21 Gun Salute. <laughs> what is your favorite part about this song? Um, I love the, the sound of the opening line. Yeah, I was going to say. It's so, again, different for them. It's amazing how they can do things that are different that still are uniquely them. But just kind of that that Tony has and kind of where he's muting in between all the notes. Yeah, I love the rhythmic feel about it. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it's just amazing epic chorus. Um, And then when they get to the end and it speeds up the tempo. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, I was going to say, even just the fact that it... This song is really more of a mid-tempo song than you would think. Like especially mm-hmm. starting off the way it does. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't really come across as, you know, especially if you're used to listening to ACDC, it kind of catches you off guard cuz you're just like, "Oh, this is a little different." But then once they get to the end, again, similar mm-hmm. to to uh Let There Be Rock, it's just this gigantic crescendo and then yeah you hit the and t- then you go you hit the tipping point we yeah and it's just it's it's so obvious to see why they close every show with this song you get to that fast part at the end and it's just kind of like the this is what the whole night has been leading yeah. up to is just this all these cannons firing and everyone knows it's coming yeah and so you just you know it's the perfect song to end this set with, in my opinion. So, 
yeah, so those are our six songs. And um, when we come back, we'll talk about the bonus song, and then we're going to wrap things up. All right. We'll see you guys in a little bit. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Welcome back. So we're going to be wrapping things up. So we've got one song left to talk about. Um, if this is your first time here, not only do we pick uh, a set of songs from our f- featured artist, for the week, but we also pick what's called a bonus song. This is a song from either a lesser known band or a band that maybe had one or two really big hits. And this is kind of my way to include some of these um, more isolated songs. And so uh, the song that I picked for the bonus for this is Are You Going to Be My Girl by Jet. This is one of my favorite songs of all time. I'm so glad. And I never really thought about that until I heard it again. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, this is a great song. It is a great song. So the reason I picked that one is because Jet, which is the band that does this song, is also from Australia. Did not know that. So that was the connection there. Well, it's funny. I think the thing that I like most about this song, and especially after listening to ACDC, uh, you can tell, obviously very heavily influenced by mm-hmm. ACDC and their sound in this song I mean it just sounds like a classic yeah that's ACDC an ACDC song. riff yeah uh the tone is pretty I, you know what I didn't even really realize that until you started saying that it is it is it even... just sounds the even just the rhythmic melody of the whole thing it just mm-hmm. sounds very much like something ACDC would yeah M- definitely much more souped up on the rhythm section yes for sure. Uh, ACDC didn't ever really play anything that complex on the drums. Oh, it's a great song to play all, yeah. along to. I love playing along that drum track. The opening of this song is so catchy. I mm-hmm. mean, just like, it's just the tambourine and, the, you know, the guy coughing in the, in the mic. Mm-hmm. But then yeah. the moment that guitar riff comes in, you're just like, okay, here we go. Yeah, I I really like this song. I think it's just, I think it's a banger. Yeah. I have a rock band to thank for introducing me to that song. I think I had heard it on like a commercial before, yeah. and then I played that game and that song came on. And I was just like, oh, oh, this, yeah. this is a great song. Well, and this guy's vocals, I mean, it's so good for this. Yeah. Like, it's just, I think it's funny. I think a lot of people might disagree, but I think if he sang some of these DC songs, I think he would be a great, great replacement. I think so too. A, a little random fact. Do you know who recently became uh, ACDC's vocalist for a short oh, number of time? I can't remember his name, but yes. Axl Rose? Yes, Axl Rose. That's right. We'll, t- we'll maybe talk a little bit more about that next time we get to ACDC, because their recent history has been fascinating, <laughs> to say the least. Um, but yeah, this is a great song. This is a s- It's a shame that they never did more. Yeah. Or at least... If they did, that it never got as popular. Because I feel like there was so much potential with how that song sounds and just how well it's played 
that I wish they would have been one of the big rock bands of the 2000s. They just, alas, they for were. whatever reason, they just never really got past that song. Yeah. Well, I think, too, I mean, we're talking about early 2000s here. I mm-hmm. mean, grunge and, and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, I guess garage. Yeah, grunge grunge was early 90s, and and it had passed by the 2000s. So yeah, garage rock would have been really big at that time. Garage rock was just coming in. And in the post-grunge movement, which was where you got all your Nickelback and And Creed. And garage rock didn't really stick around for very very long either. No, it it kind of dissipated by 2008. Yeah. So um, we really haven't had a rock movement since then. No. It's kind of the last one. Between that and emo... Emo kind of stuck around a little bit longer until about like 2010. I think the other thing that I like about this song too is that it's kind of got a Beatles vibe a little bit too. Yeah, I, I can see that. When I heard it, I was like, oh man, I can hear, I saw her standing there mm-hmm. in this. But then, and then it's kind of cool seeing like a progression like it's Beatles, ACDC, and then now with Jet. And yeah, it's like, oh, this is it's got all of these things in there. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. That's gonna be the fun thing. The more we move forward, the more yeah. you're gonna see how everyone connects to everyone. Yeah. And eventually what you'll start to go is you'll you'll hear something, you go, Oh, I can hear that they were influenced by this and this and this and this. So Yeah, that's just that's the beauty of it's what's so fun about putting together the puzzle. When you see every piece individually it's a lot harder to appreciate it. Yeah, that piece may be a really great piece, but when you see how it fits to everyone else, that's when you kind of, and you start to see the whole picture, you start to go, wow, this is amazing. There's so many pieces of music that I loved more when I learned about it, and I learned about the influences and where it fit in the musical timeline, what styles were going on, why, you know... Had ACDC come around five years earlier or five years later, they wouldn't have been near as big. Yeah, they for sure. came at the right time, and it just it informs you so much on why they sounded the way they did. And so, so yeah, what were your thoughts about the songs that you got to listen to? I I think overall, I really enjoyed listening to ACDC. I mean, it's just something about them i think it's the energy i think it's just the drive and kind of the edge that they brought Mm -hmm. to their music that i think you really enjoy and like all their stuff is just it's so anthemic Mm -hmm. just makes you want to just head bang and throw your arms on just rock out yeah what were Um, your what were your opinions of acdc before um i think at the time the only acdc songs that i knew were back in black well, actually, I said that there were a lot of ACD songs that I did know, but did not know it was ACDC. Mm-hmm. Back in Black, of course, the f- most famous one that I knew. Um, and then I think all of these, out of this entire list, the only ones that I hadn't heard before were Shoot to Thrill and uh, Let There Be Rock. Everything else I had heard before. Okay. Um, but Shoot to Thrill, like we said earlier, my favorite song. I think it's, <clears throat> I think it's the best ACDC song there is. I agree. Um, but over, I thought you know, I I think I really, I didn't really have much of a, a rock phase 
And so, but I can see, just from listening to that, I can see why they're still so popular. They were popular even back then. I can see why they really took the world by storm. Mm-hmm. Um, just so much to enjoy about them. Yeah. Yeah, one of a kind band. Yeah, agreed. I, I said it before, but I just think when you talk about what the greatest rock and roll band of all time is, and when you define what rock and roll yeah. is, because, yeah, the Beatles and bands like Queen and Pink Floyd and the Rolling Stones, they also did so many different things and incorporated yeah. so many styles into their music. ACDC literally only played <laughs> rock and roll yeah, and became one of the biggest bands because of it. Like I said, Back in Black, the number two best-selling album of all time. And they really came to define like what rock and roll yes. sounded like. Like their sound is when you think of rock and roll. It's mm-hmm. ACDC. Yeah. Hands down. So yeah, I won't say that they're the best band of all time, but I will say that they're the best rock and roll band of all time. As far as just playing pure rock and roll all the time and never compromising that sound and then just for being as big as they got and still are. Yeah. And to do it with two different lead singers. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, One of the most clutch moves in rock history. Yeah. Coming in and being able to... I was hearing someone say that if they'd been just a little more popular, it might not have worked. They were at just the right level where they were about to break big. And had they already broke big, it would have been a lot harder Yeah, for people to adapt to such a different sounding lead singer. And... Yeah, it just, it worked. But, yeah. So, that is our episode for this week. Um, Again, follow me on Spotify. You will find this list of songs to listen to. And uh, just whatever platform that you are listening on, please hit that subscribe button. Share it with your friends, those of you that know people that like this kind of music or like any music. We're going to get into a lot of different styles of music. As we go through, I'm going to try and be as expansive as I can. There are going to be some genres I'm going to be very hesitant to get into. Um, it's going to be a long time before I probably get into like country music or... I'd like, be okay if we didn't. Yeah. there's There are small pockets of country that I like. Just very small. And I mean like the really old kind of country. Uh, that's a That's a debate for a whole other episode but yeah just we're going to be going on this musical journey together so again your experience will be so much more enriched if you go to that spotify playlist and if you don't have spotify whether you have apple music if you listen to stuff on youtube or amazon whatever listen to the songs in order the song list is in the description as well as the instructions to find my spotify playlist and um Tune in next week when we look at uh, probably the biggest heavy metal band of this last generation, and that is Slipknot. Their new album is actually coming out uh, when we're taping this right now. It's coming out tomorrow, so I figured this would be a good time to talk about them. So um, tune in next week to hear our discussion on that, and uh, thank you so much for listening. See you guys.
Have a good week. Keep on listening to good music.